Welcome to another edition of the Tom Green Podcast. I know it's been a while since I've been on the podcast waves, but it is February. Don McLean once said, February made me shiver. As in the sports world, yes, it does make us all shiver. But we have some great MLB content coming to you from two of our great guests from the Scorecrow, which I've recruited quite a few guests from there. Our first guest is Matt Bishop, and our second guest is none other than... The most interesting man in the world. He drinks Dos Equis, just like the most interesting man. He didn't, he didn't cut his hair for over a few months and got the beard that you see in his profile picture. He is Johnny Black. Welcome to the show, guys. What's going on, man? Oh, yes. Great to have you guys on the show. And, of course, it's February. We're shivering. We're dying for some baseball. So I got to bring a commercial from John, one of my favorites. And Johnny knows who this is as soon as he hears it. teams throughout this land, but I'm proud to be a Cubby fan. Believe me, 84 was just the start. We're going to bring a pennant to this park. Hey, I'm a Cub fan. I'm a Believe me, I could probably go for a Budweiser right now. <laughs> yeah, you can leave it outside too because it's cold enough out. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely in this February shiver, which our friends at all of our teams are now basking in warm sunshine in either Florida or Arizona. Unless you're in Tucson, there was some snow there last week. Yeah, I saw it. That was all over Twitter. <laughs> it's like, we wanted to avoid this weather. Maybe we brought yeah, it with us. I saw uh, Mike Trout's girlfriend posted something on Twitter about, um, you know, how they come from Millville, New Jersey. They just came through snow and they get to Arizona for spring training and they find themselves, you know, driving 50 miles out of the way to go snow chasing. I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something Jersey folk and even Michiganders would do. What about Massachusetts yeah. folk, Johnny? <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. And we know Trout's big into the weather. Didn't he, he does like guest appearances as like a meteorologist and stuff like that. It might be his uh, his sec- his next career after he's done playing. But yeah, I'm originally uh, yeah, I know that's a Jersey boy, but I am too originally. I've been up in Boston area for about 13 years, but I'm originally from Jersey. As I told these guys before the show, when you come from Boston, you don't know if they're talking about their khakis or khakis. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's true. <laughs> you got to really understand the accent there. With that being said, let's move to some free agency talk and some off-season talk. At this point in the year, of course, people like me are thinking, okay, who plays for what team again? Re- refresh my memory. So <laughs> this is where we do just that. We're going to hit the free agency signings from January 1st on in 2019 as the 2019 season unofficially has begun with spring training games going on. It's making me excited for warmer weather. I'm sure it is for you guys, too. Yes, so, uh, definitely. So the analysis, we will start from January 2nd. Nelson Cruz, one-year, $14.3 million deal with the Twins with a 2020 team option. We will start with Johnny. Uh, thoughts on this deal? Well, thank you especially since I'm a Twins fan. <laughs> but, yeah, I I love the deal. I think it's great, and I, I think part of it, um, part of bringing him in is not only because, well, the guy's hit 37 home runs each year for the last five years, so he's ageless. But I think part of it was, too, is to bring a veteran presence in there. Um, I don't know some issues that Miguel Sano has had with injuries, with his weight, with things off the field. So I think part of it was kind of bringing in Cruz, not just because of his production, because you figure, I mean, like, even at 37, 38 years old, you got to figure this guy's still going to hit 30 home runs with 90 ribbies. So I think part of that is not only he's a big bat in the middle of the lineup, but he's also a mentor to Suno, among others, among the other Latino players, Jorge Polanco, 
who the Twins just extended for five years. Um, he was suspended for PEDs last year. So I think <clears throat> I think part of it, like I said, was Cruz coming in not only for production, but also to kind of be like a big brother to some of these younger guys that may have lost their way a little bit. Definitely. Uh, Matt, any thoughts on this? No, I mean, this guy's model, he's, he's a model of health as well. I mean, past five seasons, 590-plus plate appearances every season, five years in a row. Like Johnny said, 37-plus bombs, five seasons in a row. Um, Going to slide in right DH position. You know, again, he's a, he's a huge veteran presence in this clubhouse for, you know, for kind of a rebuilding team. So I think that, you know, the Twins... They're gonna. They're definitely gonna turn some heads this season. I think they're definitely in this that sleeper category. It can definitely surprise a lot of people. So, yeah, and I and I have to agree with Johnny on my thoughts on Nelson Cruz. As I thought bringing in Cruz was going to be a big bat, as obviously over 530 plate appearances every season with 37 home runs. And the thing is, he's a mentor to, like we said, Sano, Polanco, and at all. And plus, we let's not forget that the Twins are bringing in a new manager. Replacing Paul Molitor with Rocco Baldelli, who has has playoff experience, but of course doesn't have managerial experience. As we've learned from Brad Osmus, it's very, very different from the Diamond to the Dugout. Correct. Moving on to January third, David Robertson signs with the Phillies, two years, twenty three million dollar deal, twenty twenty one team option. Matt, thoughts on that? <clears throat> I love this kid. I'm a Phillies fan myself, but I watched him quite a bit when he played on the Yankees because I'm in the Yankee market, and unfortunately I don't get the Phillies games. But, you know, this kid's repertoire is electric. Um, I think that he's going to push Sir Anthony Dominguez to be the closer role. Um, I think they've already kind of kind of put it out there that they're not really going to go with a set closer. It's going to be closer but got by committee. It's going to be the particular situation. But, I mean, this kid, you know, 11.7K per nine last season, 3.3 walks per nine, which is – which is decent and acceptable, but I mean, this kid definitely has, you know, he has an elite repertoire. He has, you know, uncanny stuff, and I think that this is a pretty good signing, especially for the Phillies, who they really haven't been able to put kind of a dagger in that bullpen and really kind of figured out their closer situation. Um, they went with Hector Neris a couple years ago. He really didn't thrive in that position. Uh, Sir, uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez kind of came out of the gate hot, but he kind of faltered a little bit, so... You know, these guys haven't really been able to decipher that, you know, that ninth inning guy. And I think that he's a good step forward in that equation and, and helping these, this team close that game in 2019. Definitely. Johnny. Yeah, I agree. It was a great signing for them. I mean, and we talked about Nelson Cruz being a model of consistency. Well, David Robinson, nine years in a row, has thrown over 60 innings and made over 60 appearances. So the guy is... You know, he can throw him out there every day, every other day. He's going to be fine. He doesn't get hurt. He's still got great stuff. He throws, it seems like so, like his slide is like a wiffle ball. It's, it's funny funny looking when he drops down and throws it. But um, he gets strikeouts. He's got a 12, 12 strikeout per nine for his career. I mean, yeah, he tends to lose his command and control a little bit, but it doesn't seem to kill him. I mean, his ERA stays good. And like I said, he can, he can go out there every day, and he gives – just as Cruz gives a veteran presence to the Twins, I think Robinson brings that veteran presence and that like everyday work hard mentality to guys like Neris, Sir Anthony Dominguez, and the rest of that bullpen. So I think it was a good signing both ways, not just production-wise, but also, again, the veteran presence and the consistency that he brings every time. Yes, Robertson definitely brings a veteran presence to that clubhouse as the Phillies also have a young manager in Gabe Kapler. And the thing is, um, if it weren't for Aroldis Chapman and the Yankees, you could say that Robertson could become the next John Wettelin, and I say that in a good way. We obviously have heard about the bad things that Wettelin has done a couple of months ago. But as we're talking on the diamond, um, Robertson has been very locked down. I especially saw this on the south side of Chicago as well as New York. I mean, it says here in the um, off-season article I'm looking at, Robertson has been an above, above average bullpen arm for going on a full decade now, throwing between 60 and 70 good innings every year since 2010. And we've really talked about that, that Robertson is a good veteran presence in the clubhouse. So definitely a good, good addition to Philly's bullpen. Moving to another bullpen acquisition to a team that I already mentioned, 
Calvin Herrera to the White Sox. Two years, $18 million with a 2021 team option. Johnny, thoughts on that? Yeah, Herrera, um, he's another another veteran. He's been in the league, uh, I believe, eight years now. I mean, it was a good signing for them. Uh, again, brings a veteran presence. I mean, they have a couple young guys. They're a rebuilding team. But no matter how many young guys you have, sometimes you have to, you have to do that type of thing and sprinkle in the guys with the experience. And Herrera's definitely got the experience. He was a setup man. He was a sixth, seventh inning guy in the beginning with the Royals when they had Greg Holland and Wade Davis back when they were, back when they were going to the World Series two years in a row. Yeah, Johnny, you and don't then, have to remind me of all that. HDH destroying <laughs> Detroit's chances. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, I mean, he was, he was lights out for a few years in Kansas City. Right? A little step back. Um, so Kansas City, obviously, him coming into free agency, and they're rebuilding. They needed pieces, so they traded him last year to Washington. Um, but he's still, he's still only twenty nine years old. Just turned twenty nine, actually, New Year's Eve, and he's still got good fastball. Got has good stuff. Um, throws at about a strikeout per nine, and less than three walks per nine. So he keeps the ball, keeps the ball in there. Uh, throws strikes, keeps the ball in the ballpark too. I mean, for the Nine years he's been in the league, he's only given up 40 home runs in his career, which isn't bad. Granted, he played in Kansas City with a bigger park, but it's still, that's what you want to see from your guys who you're bringing in with men on first and second, and you had a one-run lead. You need to get the out. You don't want to start walking everybody or giving up the three-run homer and giving up the lead. So he's pretty, again, just like kind of like Robertson. I don't think he's quite as good as Robertson, but again, even though he's only 29 years old, he's still a veteran presence. He's been to two World Series, 1-1, and I think he'll bring kind of like a winning mentality to a rebuilding Sox team. Definitely. Uh, Matt, your thoughts? Yeah, I tend to agree. I was actually kind of surprised to see that he's, he's never had over 26 saves in his career, uh, but I guess that's that's kind of can be attributed to the Royals, and the Royals really haven't had you know the most success in the last couple seasons, but I saw you know at least 58 appearances, uh, 58 innings in the last five seasons straight. Uh, yeah, like Johnny said, he's about a, you know, a, nine, a nine strikeout per, per nine guy. Um, this kid can pitch. I mean, he, you know, he definitely he's, he's got good command. He's got good stuff. And I think he's definitely going to get probably – I know uh, the White Sox just traded for Al, Alex Colomay. I think between him and Alex Colomay, they're both going to get a shot at closing roles. They're probably started in a closer by committee thing to start the season. But, I mean, I think that this guy's definitely got the one-up on Columbia. I mean, he's been there. He's had the success. And, you know, he's he's definitely he's going to be a spark plug for this team, especially, you know, a rebuilding squad in the White, you know, in Chicago and the White Sox. So, I mean, he's another veteran presence that can only help this ball club. So I think it's a good signing there. The White Sox may not have gotten Manny Machado, but they did get something good in, in uh, Calvin Herrera. Part of the 26 save th um, thing, I think, is part of uh, him being the – First part of the HDH anchor, if if he were to be closing, he probably would have had more than 26 saves in 2014 and 2015. But definitely a good veteran presence in the White Sox uh, bullpen as well as organization. So good pickup on the south side. Could bring Detroit yep. some trouble. Uh, Brian Dozier signs with the Nats, a one-year $9 million deal. Matt, your thoughts? I mean, this guy's a perennial speed guy. I mean, he has hit. 40 home runs in the past, you know, this guy, um, I think he only signed a two-year deal, which, you know, I think, I think right now he's set up to be like a utility guy, but I can totally see this guy really catching fire. Um, I mean, he has, you know, he's been another guy, model consistency since 2013, uh, at least 622 plate appearances in every season since 2013, uh, 42 bombs in 2016, 34 home runs in 2017, uh, also, four consecutive seasons with 100, 100 plus RBIs. You know, this guy is a pretty potent bat who's kind of not really getting a fair shake right now. And I think that you know, if these guys can fight every day bats for him. You know, this guy's limit for Dozier, and this is a, a forgotten guy that can definitely turn some heads for this national squad, who's solidly and quietly putting together a pretty solid offseason, in my opinion. Definitely, Johnny. Your thoughts? Yeah, I always liked Dozier. I mean, he. Turns it on. He, his power came out, like Matt said, the 42 home runs a few years ago and the 34. I mean, he was a big second-half player. Last year, 
he had the impending free agency hanging over him. The Twins are were looking to move on from him. Um, they weren't going to resign him at 31 years old, so they moved him to LA. And I think the change, the change going from Minnesota to LA, where he's only ever played with the Twins, I think hurt him a little bit because it's always tough for these guys to switch leagues, you know, in the middle of the season. Still, the free agency hanging over his head and stuff like that. Um, don't forget, a couple of years ago, he won a Gold Glove at second base. So I honestly could see this guy. I could see him being the regular second baseman for the Nationals. Again, a veteran presence like that could figure in if they lose Harper. You know, they have a they Robles taking his place in the outfield. Basically, put Robles in center and then Eaton and uh, left Soto and right. But with Dozier there, you got some. They have a really good team, and even if they don't re-sign Harper, which we'll talk about in a little while, I still think the Nationals are going to have a better year than they did last year. I'm sorry I'm going off topic a little bit, but another thing with Dozier is, too, is that he signed a one-year deal for $9 million. So this is basically a pillow deal because of his bad season he had last year. So he's he's going to look to turn it on this year and try to cash in next year. So we'll see. I think he turns up his game a little bit, and I... Still think he's got a few years left. I tend to think the same thing I did with Herrera. The uh, the Nats did not get Harper, but they at least got a veteran presence in Brian Dozier because Dozier has Dozier was another Tiger killer. If we <laughs> if we remember yeah. that from years ago, he's been consistent as we've said in the last few free agency signings, and he brings a veteran presence to the Nationals dugout that was that was basically a bang or bust team for the past three, four years that seemingly busted every time because they never made it past the the uh, NLDS. So moving on, uh, we'll, we'll skip a couple of free agency signings for time constraints, but this is a good one. DJ LeMahieu signing with the Yankees, two years, $24 million deal. Uh, Johnny, your thoughts? Um, I think LeMahieu was a good signing for them. Uh, obviously, they're not going to have. <clears throat> excuse me. They're not going to have Didi Gregorius for what just came out, probably into August now. So he's oh, going to be saying that. Yeah, they just. Um, I forget who it was. They said it yesterday. I just saw it. Wow. I saw it this morning. I might have been Cashman, but uh, basically, or it might have been Boone. They actually said they're looking at after the All Star break at the earliest. Wow. So. Um, so without Didi. You got to put someone in shortstop. So, of course, the Yankees went out. Uh, I'll touch on another one of their free agents, if you want. Uh, Tulowitzki, who hasn't sure. has been the opposite of the free agents we've just talked about because he hasn't been the model of health the past couple right. of years. <laughs> but um, getting LeMahieu, having Tulowitzki there. LeMahieu's won, won three gold gloves the past two. So his fielding plays. Um they're still undecided, I think, about what exactly, how they're going to construct their infield, especially up the middle. I think they would love to have Tula Whiskey play short and keep Torres at second and kind of have LeMahieu move around. I just don't know if that's going to work out because of Tula's health. I don't think he's going to be able to last playing on a daily basis at shortstop until July, until Didi comes back. So I feel that they're going to, plan on probably moving Torres over to short and letting LeMahieu man second. I think that's what's going to wind up happening, honestly. I think, they, like I said, they're going into the season optimistic about Tulo playing short, but he can't play every day anymore. He's just not. And we don't know what kind of production he's going to have. I just think it's going to wind up being LeMahieu at second. They're going to move Torres to short until Didi comes back and then play it from there. Good thoughts. Uh, Matt, your thoughts on Mayhew. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I think uh, Glaber Torres, uh, he was originally a shortstop in the minor leagues. They, I think they slotted him over to second base and they gave him a little bit of uh, practice in the minors because, you know, I think they were planning on using him in that spot when, uh, when D was at short. But, you know, Mayhew, a, he's a good hitter, man. This guy, he, he's been a pretty solid. Uh, he's definitely shown longevity in the health department, too. Uh, five, uh, five seasons of 538 plate appearances. He's a good hitter. This guy hits, you know, he hits for average. Um, he's a 300 hitter. Last year was a little bit down, hit 276. But season before, uh, 301, 348, 310. You know, he's not going to get you a lot of home runs. Only had 15 home runs. Uh, 15 home runs is his career high. But, you know, like Johnny said, this guy is, he's definitely an asset in, in, the, in the field there. And I can, I can see him 
Totally sees another pillow deal, I think. You know, this guy has, he was pretty much an elite shortstop in the league. You know, he really tailed off significantly with all these injuries, and he hasn't really been able to produce anywhere near the level. And I think that this is a pretty good deal for the Yankees, too, because, you know, if he, you know, if he slumps, they can just sit him and they can just dump him. But, you know, if he, if he produces, you know, more, you know, closer to the level that he once was, they got a trade chip on their hands, too. But, you know, I like LeMahieu. This guy doesn't really strike out. You know, he, he walks a little bit. He's, he's, a, he's an on-base uh, on machine. Um, so I think that this is another guy that I think that they're going to need to find ways to, you know, to get his bat in lineup on a daily basis. And I, I agree with Johnny. I think they're going to have to slap Glaber Torres over it short, you know, move LeMahieu over to second. I think that's really the optimal lineup right now until he gets back. So I agree with him there. Yeah, the loss of Didi Gregorius is really going to hurt the Yankees for a little while, but of course, they are the Yankees, so guess what they do? They find ways to win, just like the Red Sox do. <laughs> At well, least last year, we saw that. <laughs> you can, I, I can bat that lineup and, and, and score runs. It's, it's just unbelievable, that lineup. Exactly. So, LeMahieu, people forget that just a couple of years ago, granted he sat the last two games to do it, LeMahieu won the NL batting title. Were those yep. numbers inflated due to playing at Coors Field, or was it legit? This year, we find we find out just that, if that is legit or if it isn't. If it's not, as Matt had said, they dump him, perhaps, and once Didi gets back. And real quick, if I could just say something. Sure. He, he's, he has a strange batted, batted ball profile, too. Like He's not a power guy. But he hits a lot of his balls to center field and the opposite field, really more than any other player in the league. And it, it's a strange situation because that porch in right field at Yankee Stadium is that's a favorable side to lefties. So it's just gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch to see if he can hit a lot of opposite field home runs this season because that field def, that stadium definitely plays for his batter ball profile, you know. Yeah, definitely the short porch, yep. <laughs> the, off, the off the wall single. Short porch. <laughs> moving up to moving out west, actually, as we probably all want to do that for at least a couple of days to get to stay warm. Cody Allen signs with the Angels, one year, eight and a half million dollar deal. Matt, your thoughts about that? Uh, I don't really think too much about that. I think the Angels they've kind of struggled in the closing department. I know they had, I think they had Blake Parker there last season, and he just he just imploded. Cody Allen. <laughs> really had his struggles last season. Yes. Uh, I think this is a good deal. I mean, he was pretty consistent, and he was pretty solid in, in Cleveland for a while. Um, I think, you know, this is definitely on the right track. You know, he's in a, a decent ballpark. You know, I think the Indians are kind of on the downward trend as as the Angels might be on an upward trend right now. So I think that this could be a good, pretty good signing for them to maybe get some clarity in there. You know, if he... If he comes out strong off the bat, then, they, you know, it's obviously a good deal. But, I mean, he could struggle like he did last year, so we'll see. Yeah, definitely hit or miss. Johnny, your thoughts? Yeah, that's that's the thing with Cody Allen. I mean, I think they're hoping they're hoping that he gets back to what he was. I mean, he had a sub-3 ERA for Cleveland five years in a row. And then last year at 4.7, he just, he just blew up. He started giving up home runs a couple years ago, and that trend has gotten worse each year. Uh, he also started walking guys. I, he he's never been one of those guys you would consider like a lights out closer, like a Chapman or a Kenley Jansen or a Kimbrel or someone like that. But he was pretty consistent for Cleveland, the way Tito used them and stuff like that. I just don't know if he's going to keep the job in Anaheim. I, I I just don't know if he can bounce back. Enough. I think he'll bounce back enough, but I just don't know if if he's going to be what he was like a few years ago. I think, like I said, he's not an elite closer, but he's someone He's someone probably better than whatever the Angels had going forward. So <laughs> he's definitely an improvement. Yeah, definitely. Um, Allen is definitely hit or miss. Um, last year I enjoyed that um, Allen was a miss because I was sort of hopeful that Detroit had some chance, but obviously – that wasn't the case, but with that being said, he goes to a Brad Osmus managed team at which we had seen that Brad Osmus bullpens were not that good. So we'll see if Allen can buck this trend and help the Angels 
get to relevancy. And we'll see if uh, Shohei Oatani is ready for a full season. As we saw last year that Oatani went down, we could not pitch. We could, and he had a Tommy John surgery, I believe. So definitely interesting with Al with a with a good reliever coming in, a new manager, and of course Oatani coming into the then he coming into Anaheim. Hey, real quick, if I could yeah. say something about Otani, I am sure. so excited to see this guy as a full-time hitter. I think that, you know, unfortunately, nobody wants to get injured. Nobody wants to see a guy's, you know, development stunted because of Tommy John. But I think that all the questions are going to be answered for us this year in, in terms of his hitting. And I think that the sky's the limit for this guy. This guy mashes. He hits the ball so hard. He walks, he, he walks at a pretty healthy clip. And he can even steal bases, which is crazy for a guy for a two-way pitcher, for a two-way player as good as he is. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see him as a full-time hitter. Definitely. And the, the uh, last free agent that we will hit before the big signing, uh, we go to the other side of L.A., A.J. Pollock to the Dodgers, four years, $60 million, which I think now the Orioles won the Manny Machado deal, but we can deal. We can talk about that in a minute if you so choose. Uh, Johnny, your thoughts on Pollock to the Dodgers? I think it's a good deal. Pollock's a, Pollock, the whole thing with Pollock is his health. It, I mean, now, fish is good for you. I'm sorry? Fish is good for you. We're yeah, talking Pollock. <laughs> I, I, I think it's better fish than Pollock. But, uh, <laughs> That's very true. Uh, bring back, we should bring back some salmon. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Fish in Anaheim. We fishing out here on the West Coast. Wait, well, you got trout in Anaheim. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but anyway, all right, I digress. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, Pollock's, Pollock is good when he plays. I mean, he sits, he's an excellent player when he plays. But the problem is that he hasn't gotten over 425 plate appearances in the past three years. And he only had one season over 140 games played. And that was his big year when he had 20 home runs and 39 steals, out of 315. Um, everyone thinks that's the player Pollock is. But we have to remember something. He was 27 when he did that. It was four years or five years ago, four years ago, 2015. And he hasn't been a model of health since. I think I think the four years is a little long, in my opinion, for a 31-year-old with health issues. But if he is healthy for the next couple of years at least, and produces, gets back to the 2015 form, He'll look up a steal because he's definitely one of the best center fielders in baseball. But he's healthy, fielding wise, he can run. Uh, he's got some pop, so you get a great all-around player. Like I said, it's just a matter of can he stay healthy and be on the field for 140 games. That'll determine whether this contract was worth it or not. Definitely, uh, Matt. Your thoughts on Pollock? I agree with Johnny 100. percent I just I, I can't believe the Dodgers would pay this guy and they give him a four year deal. Uh, and Lemayhew gets a two and Brian Dozier gets a one. You know, I I know this guy. He's he's the powers speed combo is real here. Like Johnny said, 2015 at 315, uh, 39 stolen bases, 20 home runs. But he hasn't hit over 266 since that 2015 season. He hasn't come anywhere near that that mark. Um, and you know, the, the uh, 466 plate appearances, the most that he's had since 2015. So, you know, this guy's a former power speed guy. And unfortunately, you know, in this MLB, in this MLB climate, these speed guys, they tend to wear down a little bit quicker than most, you know, than guys that don't run. Um, I don't like the signing for the Dodgers. I mean, I think that he's going to get you 20, 25 home runs a season, but you know, he's not going to hit you anywhere near 300 average. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I don't like this for the Dodgers, and I don't. I think four years is a little bit sturdy, a little bit steep for him. Like, like I said, as opposed to some of these guys that are only getting one or two year deals. So, I, I mean, he, there's definitely value there for this Dodgers team who's looking to get back in the World Series, and I think he's a veteran presence in that clubhouse that can definitely lead those guys. But I, I don't think it's a, it's a very smart signing for the Dodgers, just in my opinion. As for my thoughts on Pollock, I pretty much said it a few minutes ago. Um, fish is good, but there are better fish than Pollock. And I kind of think that way about A.J. Pollock. I mean, four, four years, 60 mil, that's, uh, that's a long commitment for someone who's, third, like we said, who's 31. But in 2015, he hit 315 uh, with 367, 498, 20 homers, and 39 steals. So he's proven that 
he he can be good. It's it, it's like the, the seafood buffet. If you're looking for all you can eat, you'll take Pollock. If you're looking for a for a nice for a nice Friday night dinner, you're looking for perch. At least in my opinion. So, is this the the greatest signing that the Dodgers have had? Uh not 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 really, but it works, I guess. And if they can get back to the World Series, then I guess it really showed that it really did work. So, uh, Pollock, I think, meh. Kind of, like I said, kind of like the actual fish Pollock. Eh. And with that being said, now to the big signing. Not Manny Ramirez, even though that would be something else in this. if at this age he were to come back in the MLB. But Manny Machado. Um, before we actually hit the signing... Um, do we officially think that the Orioles won the Manny Machado deal? Uh, Johnny. The Orioles won the Manny Machado deal? Yeah, I mean, five top 100 prospects for three months of Machado and no no ring? True. <laughs> True. Um, I, think it's a, I think it's a little early to tell. Okay. I mean, some of... I, I, I mean, Machado... Machado wasn't horrible for the Dodgers last year. I mean, they didn't exactly get what they were paying for, but he wasn't. It wasn't the worst thing to happen to them. I'm two seventy three with uh, twelve bombs, but um, I'm trying to see. I'm just sort of looking up who they got for him. I can't remember all the guys that they got for him. Honestly, and me neither. But five guys in the top one hundred. I saw that and I'm like, gee, that's a little too much to give up for three months of services from. Manny Machado. I mean, if it gets you a ring, great. But yeah, and you know what, the Dodgers, the Dodgers are such. I mean, even before the before the move, um, they have such a deep farm system. I mean, they still have a, a nice farm system, even without those four guys, or five guys. So I mean, I think it was worth it for them because okay. they felt that Manny was going to come in. You got to remember, they didn't have Corey Seager last year. That's true. Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. So they lost their stud shortstop. I think if Seager was healthy last year, they would have never made the steal. But, you know, obviously they wanted to fill that hole, get back to the World Series, which they did. Of course, they couldn't beat the Red Sox. But um, I think it's honestly, you never know with prospects. I mean, it, it's too early to tell if the Orioles really made out with this. I mean, they weren't going to resign Manny anyway. So basically, whatever they got for him, I think is a win for them, basically. Okay. The fact that they, they got some decent prospects, I, I could see it, but like I said, you never know what prospects. Uh, unless you name, you know, Chris Bryant, Ronald Acuna, or Vlad Guerrero, it's kind of hard to say <laughs> that these guys are anything but anything close to a sure thing. So I don't know. I don't know. If I, uh, the jury's still out on if they won this deal or not. But I would say, yeah, Baltimore did get a decent deal, and... Even if one of those guys turns out, like I said, they weren't going to re-sign Manny anyway. They spent all the money on Chris Davis a couple of years ago. so Yeah, so we, we know how that turned out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Angelos doesn't spend money down there, so that was, it was never going to happen. So, Gotcha. Matt, anything to add? Uh, I kind of agree with him. I mean, I, I think, yeah, the, the Orioles definitely made out for a rental like Manny was. Uh, I think, yeah, you know, using El Diaz, I think he's really the mainstay. Uh, in that deal, I think, you know, he could hit for days. But, but I, I mean, yeah, like Johnny said, the Dodgers, they had to make a move because, you know, Seager was injured. I think he just, Seager had, like, hip surgery in the offseason. So they needed to do what they needed to do to get back to the World Series. And I think, you know, yeah, the Orioles definitely made out. I think L.A. gave them, gave them a little bit too much leash on that trade. So I think the Orioles definitely won out in that, in that, in that field, you know. But I think Manny, you know, Manny's a game changer. Obviously, he's going to... You know, a worse hitting park, uh, but I think that, you know, the Padres, they really have one of the best farm systems in baseball right now. Uh, these guys have arms for days. They got this kid, um, they got this kid, your eyes coming up, uh, I think at second base. Uh, is, is that, I'm sorry, is that his name? But yeah, either way, you know, these guys, these guys are going to be competitive. I don't think they're going to be competitive right off the bat, but I think these guys are going to be competitive for years to come. You know, they got, they got just a slew of arms. In that system, I mean, they're just going to be competitive in every way possible. I'm sorry, well, Luis Urias, uh, he's the 23rd prospect in baseball. He's their second baseman with the Dodgers. They expect him up this season, so they're pretty high in him. And I think they got Chris Paddock, who's another arm that's, I think he's a top 50 um, 
you know, prospect in baseball. So these guys are going to be good for a while. Gotcha. Yeah, in a way, I guess it is a little too early to tell as far as the actual prospects. But when I saw it, but like I said, when I saw the actual deal, five top 100 prospects for three months of services. I mean, to me, it's like, well, this better win a World Series or this busts. And at least in my opinion, right now, it busts. If the five top 100 prospects bust, then maybe the Dodgers did win it after all. But you really don't want to root for, for for prospects to fail. That's that that's just awful. So, as far as I'm concerned right now, I think Baltimore won the deal, but the jury is still out on how those 5100 prospects turn out. So, moving to the other side of that deal, Manny Machado to the San Diego Padres. Matt kind of uh, introduced his thoughts on it. Anything to add on what you had uh, initially told us? Uh, myself no, yes. I mean, I think Manny's uh, he's, he's a 30-home he's a run guy. You know, he's had 33-plus home runs in the last four seasons. Uh, you know, he's 690-plus uh, plate appearances in the last four seasons. So he's been healthy. He's been on the field. You know, unfortunately, he's been stuck in Baltimore and Camden Yards, and he's not been, you know, he's not been as highly touted as he should be because he is one of the best players and one of the best shortstops in baseball. Um, you know, this guy, you know, he hits for average. He, you know, he chipped in 14 steals last year. You know, he's not running as much as he used to. Obviously, that happens with age. But, I mean, this guy can get you 10, 15-plus stolen bases. He's going to hit you 35 home runs. And he's going to hit for a pretty high average at 297 last season. Um, you know, so this guy, you know, he's he's really he's a five-tool contributor, in my opinion. And, you know, he, the kid is, what, he's 26 years old. It just seems like he's been around forever. I know. He been, <laughs> he's been producing. For, he's been producing since he's, what, 20 years old? And he's just getting better and better with age. So I could actually see him just breaking out a little bit further even this season. I think, you know, he's going to have a pretty monster season in San Diego. Definitely. He, <laughs> referring to a South Park reference, and I think we all know where I'm going with this, Manny's going to be Jack and Dingers in San Diego. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Johnny, your thoughts on Machado to the Padres? I think it was a good deal. I mean, he's averaged uh, what they look at, too. They look at, they look at war and how it's judged is basically you look at market value is about $8 million per one war. But I thought oh, we were Manny. supposed to be peaceful, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, when's the uh, replacement well, war? He's going to, he's going, he'll be by the Navy the, uh, in San Diego. So. But in the words of Squidward, <laughs> in the words of Squidward, not the Navy! <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should play the YMCA, uh, the uh, Village People song in the Navy. <laughs> this is walk-up music. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, like Matt said, he's a solid contributor all around. Um, he's going to be playing third base there because they're going to have uh, Tatis Jr. coming up as a big shortstop prospect to go along with Urias. I mean, that's going to be a scary infield. They locked up Eric Hosmer, who had kind of an off year. But again, it's kind of like what I touched on before. Hosmer went from playing with Kansas City his whole career, goes over to the National League in a pitcher's park. So you got to expect a little bit of struggle. I think Hosmer's going to be a little better this year. And I think that infield, honestly, could be scary for the next five years. Um, Machado, he plays every day. The last four years, twice he's played 162 games. He plays every single game. And... I don't think the ballpark's going to affect them much. I mean, yes, Camden Yards is a hitter's park. Uh, but I think Manny, Manny will hit anywhere. I mean, even if his home runs go down to, what, say 27, 28, he's still going to hit you 300. He's still going to play gold glove caliber third base. He's chipping a couple steals. Uh, and again, like we spoke to before, and this seems to be a trend with some of these uh, signings, is he's a veteran presence. Granted, he's only 26 years old, like we talked about, but... He's been in the league for seven years. <laughs> he's so been to he's been to a World Series last year. So when you got other guys like Tatis Jr. and Urias and guys like that coming up, when you have Hosmer and Machado there, both of both of whom have been to World Series before, now you have a good rebuilding core because you have the core young guys and you have guys with postseason experience who have been in the league for a while. So I think San Diego's doing it the right way. Uh, Matt touched on uh, the kid Chris Paddock. I mean, the kid looks nasty. 
Uh, they had the young kid, Mackenzie Gore, who they drafted, uh, I think it was last year or the year before. So they have some young arms coming up. And they have money to spend. We know they're still kind of in on the Harper thing, possibly. Uh, but even if they don't, even if they don't get Harper, I mean, even with the money they spent with Machado, I think I read they still only the payroll is 110 million. That's even with paying Machado this year and Hosmer last year. So they still have about another 100 million before they hit that luxury tax. Hmm. So even for a rebuilding team, they have Hosmer and Machado locked up. They have young pitching coming. If they do make noise in the NL West, probably not this year, but maybe 2020, 2021, they're going to have money to spend to bring in these free agents. They'll be able to restock their farm system and be able to trade for guys at the trading deadline. So I tell you, in a couple of years, San Diego can make a nice three, four-year run at that NL West. Wouldn't it be something else if we... I had Johnny and Bruce or even Matt on the show talking about the Padres being in the World Series. Now, that <laughs> wow. that's not going to be happening quite yet, but now with Machado being signed and Hosmer locked up, there's some serious talk about good baseball returning to San Diego. Is In San Diego, that's the only team to look forward to. I mean, you, have, you now have the San Diego fleet in the Alliance Football League, but... All they have is the Padres. So this was the talk of the town for, well, for days and, and to continuing to now. And so Machado is going to greatly help San Diego especially. Um, veteran presence, World Series, uh, World Series experience along with Hosmer. This could really help them bring in a big piece at the trade deadline. Maybe not this year, but definitely in years to come. So Machado to San Diego was definitely definitely good for them. I was scared that he was going to go to the White Sox. <laughs> but yeah, actually, I thought that made I thought the White Sox made a ton of sense for for Machado because again, like Johnny Johnny touched on with the Latino presence on that team. I mean, he he would be a veteran guy for those guys, and you know, Eloy coming up, um, Abreu there. He, I I thought that was a, 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 I I was shocked when the Padres signed him. I was completely shocked. Definitely, Johnny. Anything to add? No, I was, I was kind of shocked myself. I mean, I originally said, it's actually my pinned tweet on Twitter, because I wanted to throw it out there just in case I was right. Because <laughs> a lot of people got it so wrong. But I had originally said uh, Machado to the Phillies and Harper to the Dodgers. So we'll see what happens. But, I, yeah, I didn't see San Diego coming. But like I, said, like I just said before, it makes so much sense for them. With the rebuilding team, they have the money to spend. And like you said, San Diego Chargers aren't there anymore. So they're the only game in town. Why not bring in another big price free agent, bring in some fans, and then when the team starts getting good in another year or two, you'll be drawing 3 million fans at Petco. Yeah, America's finest city, San Diego, California, where it's 75 and sunny, 360 days a year. Let's let's not forget the five days where it actually may might rain there. We don't know. But <laughs> America's finest city, San Diego. So that was, that's your free agency talk, and we'll move quickly to, um, I guess, some preseason predictions. Um, uh, well, we'll start with Johnny. Any any prospects or anything big to watch this spring training? Well, a couple guys that uh, obviously some of the bigger prospects. We all know Vlad Guerrero Jr. and uh, Eloy Jimenez, as Matt touched on, going to you know to the White Sox. He should be coming up. Um, I have a couple friends in New, New Jersey that are big Met fans, so they're looking forward to Peter Alonso, yes. power hitting first baseman. The kid hits the ball a ton, and with these three guys, unfortunately, we're not going to see them till the end of April because of the service time manipulation. That as long as you're not in the league for 172 days out of the 187 then it doesn't count for a full year of service time. As I was saying years ago about uh, Chris Bryant, 10 equals 162. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and Chris Bryant, you know, and of course, at the time, Theo Epstein threw it out there that, oh, we need him to work on his defense at third base. He was in the minor leagues for two weeks. He caught three ground balls. Now all of a sudden he's Brooks Robinson? I mean, come on. We're, you know, they're saying the same thing about Peter Alonso, that he needs to work on defense at first base. First of all, we're talking about first base. 
Second of all, you know, they expected him to do the same thing, go down there, catch a couple pop-ups down the right field line, and all of a sudden he's Keith Hernandez. I mean, come on. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous, and it's definitely going to change in the next CBA. But um, not to get off topic, <laughs> but no, I just thought I'd right. throw that in there because those are the three big guys that everyone's looking at, looking, waiting to see, actually. And another guy I'm interested to see because it's going to be a very interesting team, and I think an exciting team to watch this year is the Cincinnati Reds. Yes. Um, Nick Senzel. Um, arguably, aside from probably Vlad, maybe the best hitter, pure hitter, uh, definitely that was in the draft uh, two years ago. But he came up as a third baseman, a little shortstop, a little second. Now that the Reds have moved on from uh, Billy Hamilton, and he's over in Kansas City now, they're looking to put Nick Sensel in center field now. So that lineup is going to be scary. I mean, they just traded with the Dodgers. They got Puig and they got Kemp. They have a couple other young outfielders, uh, Shebler and Jesse Winker. They still have Votto, Eugenio Suarez at 35 home runs this year. Scooter Gannett, 27 home runs last year from the second base spot. They have a scary lineup, and they play in a very small ballpark. I think you're going to see some, like, throwback to kind of the 1990s Colorado Rockies with that lineup. <laughs> they're going to be scoring runs, and the problem with them is they're pitching, so they're going to be giving up a lot of runs. So I'm interested to see what they do with Senzel, how he plays center field, and how his bat's going to play. Because I think that team's going to be interesting, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Matt, any prospects we're looking at for this spring training? Predictions? So I know this. I know Vlad Guerrero Jr. is getting a ton of hype. And, you know, with good reason. But I kind of want to just put it in perspective. So with these guys, right, when you talk about minor leaguers, you talk about scouting grades. A 50 scouting grade is average. A 60 scouting grade is above average or plus. A 70 scouting grade is is well above average or plus plus. Vlad Jr. has an 80 an 80 hit tool. That is a plus 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 with a 70 grade power with a uh, with a 70 grade power grade, which is plus plus. So. It sounds like we're playing 2K, Matt. Exactly. <laughs> and conservatively, this guy, Black Guerrero Jr., he has broken every projection system. They literally have him winning you know, the, the, the Major League batting title his rookie season. But if you put that into perspective, an 80-grade an hit tool, that conservatively, this kid's going to hit 325. With his plate discipline, this kid walks 11% of the time. And he strikes out ten percent of the time with his on you know with his on base numbers. That's going to put him at a, you know conservatively at a four hundred OBP and like literally a six hundred slash. So this kid, this kid is a perennial MVP, and he, he could just dominate right out of the gate. I don't think we've ever seen a prospect you know of you know of this caliber since probably Mike Trout or Bryce Harper. Even better, I mean, I think he's an even better prospect. Than, the only the only knock in his game is he doesn't run because he's slow. Obviously, he's a big guy, but you know he's a an elite four category contributor. You know, realistically, this kid could hit you know a thousand OPS every season going forward, even in his rookie campaign. And he's gonna he could chip in thirty to forty home runs, which is it's just unbelievable for a kid you know for a kid this young. So, uh, but you know, I think the Blue Jays they're gonna they're gonna be in competition. They got the, you know Bobuchet coming up too. I don't know if we're gonna see him right away. You know, he's another guy with a huge hit tool. I think he's got a you know seventy uh, seventy grade hit tool. So these guys, I mean, you know, they're maybe a season or two away from being competitive, but they got a lot of pieces right now in the minor leagues, and these guys, you know, could be competitive for years to come as well. Definitely, and the thing about um, one thing about Guerrero Jr. is that I. I wish that either the Rays or some team would move to Montreal and they would trade for Guerrero Jr. Because wouldn't it be <laughs> so awesome to see Guerrero Jr. playing for the Montreal Expos? <laughs> that's so true. Well, I did, uh, if I, I just want to mention something that's sure. interesting about the Blue Jays. Um, I had mentioned it in an article we did about the prospects. Um, they have a couple recognizable sons of major leaguers that could be their complete infield in a couple years. They have Casey Clemens, the first baseman. They have Kevin Biggio as the second baseman. Bo Bichette at shortstop and Vlad Guerrero Jr. at third. So it'll be kind of interesting to see all the kids of former major leaguers, Roger's son, Roger Clemens' son, Craig Biggio's son, Dante Bichette's son, and obviously Vlad. But I think it's kind of interesting that they have all these kids 
that their dads were like great major league players. Be interested to see if they could all play, you know, all together. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be pretty cool. Definitely, they should they should make a biker gang, sons of big leaguers. Yeah, <laughs> sons of the BL. <laughs> sons of sons of big leaguers. That would be that would be pretty cool. So as for as for my prospects to watch, obviously Vlad Guerrero Jr. But I'm going to name a tiger and name a cub because that's my two teams. Uh, the obvious one, Detroit, Casey Mize. I mean, f- number one draft pick. A lot of tiger prospects or tiger scouts are excited about him. As am I. We'll see how he favor. Or, does in spring training against major league hitting because it's definitely a different animal once you get once you go from college to the major leagues. I mean Steven Strasburg was able to do it very effectively, but that's that that seems to be the diamond in the rough as it's like we like we've mentioned before, just different from major leagues to college. <laughs> and so uh, as for the Cubs, ninety fourth prospect Miguel Amaya catcher. Um, as for this guy, he's decent. I haven't seen a lot about him, but let's say perhaps they want to trade. Well, they want to trade Wilson Contreras at some point. Might not be this year. Could be down the road. They're preparing for a backup in Miguel Amaya. Just throwing it out there that perhaps that could be. So definitely Guerrero Jr. is one <laughs> to watch though. Just Bring just bring back the expos, please. Bring back the expos. <laughs> I uh, I like Casey Mize, man. I think he's got four plus offerings. I mean, this kid's got control. You know, he can throw the heat. Uh, you know, he struggled a little bit uh, with the jump from rookie ball to A ball. I think he had. Hold on, let me find this game here. Sorry, that's all right. I uh, struggled a little bit um, jumping from rookie ball to A ball. Uh, four sixty three ERA in four games started. Um, you know, he only pitched. He only pitched eleven innings, but you know, he had ten strikeouts. So that's a little bit under, you know, a strikeout per a strikeout per nine. But kid throws a, you know, a, a plus fastball, plus slider. He throws a plus plus splitter, and you know, the kid can throw all of his, all three of his offerings for strikes. So he's got the command to back it up. I mean, there's a lot of hype around this kid. I think, you know, I think he's going to be. I, I know his fastball sits. You know, he can get touch 98 with his fastball. So. This kid's going to be good for a while. I think Tigers fans have good reason to be hyped on this kid. You know, once I think he's projected right now to come up in 2020, but yes. you know, he could. You know, if he has you know strong adding right out of the gate, he's definitely going to push the Tigers' hand a little bit for training. So it's kind of like Christian Stewart did last year in September. Yep. So, um, anything to add, Johnny? Uh, no, I was just actually looking up Miguel Amaya too that you just had mentioned. Um, going to be 20 years old in another week March 9th actually uh, but he's actually he actually improved also he played the short season in 2017 only 58 games and didn't fare too well but in a full season at um in a ball last year um 116 games he had a 752 ops 12 homers 50 walks and 91 strikeouts solid production especially nice. from the catcher spot and especially as a 19 year old so, I mean, this year I'm assuming he's going to be, I'm, I'm sure he's going to get full season at double A. And as a lot of guys have said before, a lot of major league players have said before, if you can hit in double A, you can basically hit in the majors. The triple A, it, it's not really a, as good of a barometer, especially during the season, because you're facing guys who are coming back from injury, guys who just got to work on some things. So it's a little different. Double A is for the prospects. These are for the guys that are up and coming. So if he does well, if he does well in Double A this year, you might see him up next year. I think he's a little too young. Like I said, he's only going to be twenty next yeah. month. But I, I can I can see the Cubs bringing him up next season. Possibly. And so our last talking point will be um, Bryce Harper. Uh, Johnny, where's where's Bryce Harper going to end up? You mentioned the Dodgers in your pin tweet, but is that what you're sticking with? I'm going to stick with him because I figure if I can get one out of the two correct, I'm, I'm in good shape. <laughs> but uh, I, I still think the Dodgers have a shot. Um, look, they're, they're up against the luxury tax. But, you know, they, along with the Yankees last year, got below the luxury tax to reset because it compounds year after year, the more consecutive years you uh, go over the tax. You pay more of a percentage of what you go over. So basically they both reset last year. Now the assumption was... 
obviously, that they were going to go, both those teams were going to be the heavy hitters going after Machado and Harper. Turns out that was not so much the case. But if you got Pollock for four years, um, if you can give Harper the high AAV, and I'm talking maybe three years at $40 million a year, you might be able to get him for the West Coast. He's a Vegas kid. And you also, you're bringing him in. He's also 26 years old, same age as Vanny. So you're giving Harper three years on the West Coast to play in L.A., $40 million a year, and he still goes back out on the market when he's 29. And look at the team he's going to, team that's made it to the World Series the past two years. So I still see the Dodgers with a realistic shot if they're willing to bust that luxury tax for the next couple of years. Don't know if they're willing to do it. But if they are, I think that would be their tactic because I don't think they want to lock in the money for long term, kind of like what Machado got the 10 years with the five-year opt-out. I think the Dodgers are saying to themselves, look, let's just throw the money at it. We got a three-year window here because they still have Kershaw for three years. They got Pollock for four years. Another three, four years, they're going to have to start paying Bellinger and Muncy and Seager. So... I think they're looking at this next two, three-year window. I'm not spending money. You know, they, they ha- it's, not like the, it's not like the Dodgers don't have money to spend. So I still think the Dodgers have a realistic shot. Other than that, I would say Philly, only because I think Philly and their owner said a couple months ago they're going to spend stupid money. Well, they've made a couple signings this year, but they're still another team, kind of like the Padres, that has the money to spend. And... Philly wants to make a big splash. They had a good season last year. They fell off toward the end of the year. But remember that same thing happened to the Brewers two years ago. They had a great beginning of the season. The Cubs finally caught them, and the Brewers fell off and missed the playoffs in 2017. The Brewers came within a game of came within a game of the World Series last year because they signed Kane and traded for Yelich. So I think Philly is looking at that. They signed David Robertson. They traded for Gene Segura. They signed Andrew McCutcheon, veteran presence in the outfield. They get to move Hoskins back to first. If they can get someone like Harper in that lineup and in that ballpark, I think they could. I think they could pay him. What I'm saying is probably ten years at three thirty, because mm-hmm. he's you know Scott Boris is his agent and he's going to want to break Giancarlo Stanton's three twenty five contract. Right. So I would say either the Dodgers a short term three year at one twenty, or a Philly. Long-term, 10 years and 3.30. Depends on what Harper wants to do. Side note, because you told me Bryce is a Vegas guy, he's he's a Golden Knights fan, so i got to mention the NHL trade deadline. And I'll mention a tweet I put out there a few days ago right after the NHL trade deadline. <laughs> well, uh, Twins reporter Audra Martin, who uh, does stuff for Fox Sports North in the wild, was looking at all the Blue Jackets trades and then said, geez, what's the... What are the Jackets going to do next? Sign or trade for Bryce Harper? And minutes later, I saw another reporter, Shannon Ford from Fox Sports Ohio. She does work with the Reds, too, had said, per sources, Blue Jackets are not trading for Harper today. <laughs> and I put I put the photo side by side and said, just so we're clear. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I tell you, if. If Harper doesn't get offered a contract that's to his liking, he may be going to hockey. <laughs> Maybe he'll stop playing hockey. You never know. Sit, man. I, I, I'm thinking he might sit the whole season like Le'Veon did. I don't know. That would be interesting. So, yes, it, it would be Matt's turn next. Who, where is he going to go, or do you think he sits? I don't I don't really think he's going to sit. But, I mean, it's just it's so weird the way baseball is. I mean, you know, I think these owners, you know, these guys, a lot of these guys got burned. The Alvin Pujol signing, the Eric Hosmer signing, even, you know, the Miguel Cabrera contract. And, I mean, Miguel Cabrera is one of the best hitters of our generation, but he's obviously tailing off a little bit. They owe him a lot of money. But I would love to see Harper and Philly being that I'm a Phillies fan. And I think that with him slotted in that outfield, there's literally no stopping that team. Uh, but I think that I, I saw something that there was an offer of uh, 10 year, $330 million. I don't know if that was confirmed. But I know that the, the Phillies owner, you know, he was in Vegas. He was seen three different, four different times, you know, with his private jet there, uh, trying to get his guy. 
but you know now they're kind of backtracking and saying that Harper wants that you know that short-term deal, which is understandable. And I think that he really, I think he's going to end up signing for a West Coast team. I don't think he wants to be on the East Coast anymore, you know, because like we said, it's it's closer to you know to Vegas to his half to his home. But I, I just think the ideal situation for Bryce Harper is is L.A. Man, it's, that's Hollywood. That's La La Land right there. I mean, they could offer movie contracts and, you know, because, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think that he's going to go where he wants to go and where he's going to get the attention. But I've also been hearing, you know, San Francisco Giants in the mix. I don't know how true that is, but I, I just long term, I, or I'm sorry, not long term, but I think that at the end of the day, he's going to end up signing for a West Coast club because it's closer to home for him. You know, and if, if these guys don't have the 10 year money to do it I, you know I, like like Johnny said I think he's going to settle for a, for a short term deal and then just become a free agent when he's what 30 you know 29 30 years mm-hmm. old I, I think that I just don't think that Philly's going to be able to lure him away from the West Coast team and I think that he's going to end up signing the West Coast somewhere as for my thoughts um, I'm one that really thinks he's going to go to the Cubs until he signs somewhere else but let's be realistic <laughs> with all the with all the talk and all the hype it would not surprise me if he did go to Philly on the 10-year, 330 deal. But like we had mentioned, Vegas is his home, and that could lure him out west as well. I mean, the Dodgers are right now in World Series or bust mode. So if Bryce Harper does go to the West Coast, I think he goes to the Dodgers. But as for now, I'm going to lock in and say Philly and Hope I'm wrong, and he. I hope we're all wrong, and he goes to the Cubs, and the Cubs win another World Series. But that's just my that's just my Harry Carey imagination taking over. <laughs> hey, if I could say something too, sure. to be honest with you, I actually I have been taking a lot of stock in that. I've been taking I've been saying that Harper's going to the Cubs for months because you know he's got the Chris Bryant, he's got the Vegas connection with Chris Bryant. They need somebody in that outfield. You got Anthony Rizzo at first. You got, you know, the ownership saying that they've never worked harder in an offseason than they did this season, obviously not signing somebody, so there's nothing to show for that. So I've been thinking something's been coming down the pipeline. But I, I too, think that Harper to the Cubs makes a lot of sense, and I can, I can totally see that happening as well. And the thing is, Anthony Rizzo or me at first? Because I think he's my <laughs> doppelganger. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to look that. I, I might have to tweet a side by side of that just so that <laughs> we can all tell. Because I was at I was at Tigers Cubs in Detroit in August, and I was with my dad, and he I was telling him, "Here's Rizzo, the C Dad Rizzo here. This is my doppelganger." And the guy that's sitting in front of me looks back at me, then looks at the scoreboard and just laughs. He's like, <laughs> "They do look alike." <laughs> <laughs> so I had to throw that out there. So, um, as I do with every single podcast I record, anything else you guys have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? We'll start with Matt. Um, uh, not too much. I think. Um, I think that you know the Mets also had a pretty solid offseason. I think that these guys. Uh, Edwin Diaz, uh, Edwin Diaz, Robson Cano from uh, from Seattle. They were able to pick them up, uh, sign uh, Wilson, uh, Wilson Ramos to a deal. You know, behind the dish. Um, you know, I think that you know, with Michael Conforto being healthy in the outfield, with Brandon Nimmo being you know being a full time player now, I think that these guys are going to turn a lot of heads as well. So I think that they're definitely another dark horse in that NL East. Uh, you know, they saw General General Lowry uh, at third, so I think these guys are going to be another competitor as well. Wait, the Mets did something good? I never knew. They sure did. <laughs> Johnny. Finally, finally yeah. all that track record of, of negativity and badness, they finally were able to put together a pretty decent offseason. So I think they're gonna be they're gonna be a team that's gonna turn a lot of heads in the NL East this year. One of my favorite family guy scenes. Oh, it's it's not worse than being a Mets fan. Opening day, and here's the first pitch, and the season's over. Yep, yep. <laughs> So, Johnny, anything else you have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? Uh, not much. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna mention my twins again. Sure. Um, I like what they've done. We all know they don't spend a lot of money. Um, they got out from under Maurer's contract because you know Joe Maurer retired, so there's 23 million on the books. But what they did do this off season so far is lock up Jorge Polanco, their shortstop, for five million dollars a year. They bought out his arbitration years and a year of free agency, plus with an option. 
And the same thing with Max Kepler, the right fielder, five years, I believe it was like 32 and change. And they did the same thing with him. Basically bought out his arbitration years plus a year of free agency. So what you're seeing, I think a lot of players are doing that now because they are unsure of the CBA that's coming out in two years. That's going to be contentious, to say the least. Um, and they're also looking at the free agent market and saying, look, you got all these guys out there. I mean, Dallas Keuchel, Cy Young Award winner a few years ago, still on sign. Craig Kimbrell, one of the best closers in the game, still on sign. Bart Harper's still on sign. Manny Machado just signed last year, last week. Um, I think a lot of these players are looking at the team they're on, and if they get a friendly deal, it's taking a guaranteed money because they don't know what's going to happen when the CBA comes up and what the free agent landscape is looking like. Look what Aaron, and look what Arenado just signed for. $260 million. I mean, you know, I think it was a good move on both parts. So, and I'm going to make a prediction about my twins right now. Sure. They're winning the AL Central. Ooh. John, Johnny Black Bomb, not Woj Bomb, Johnny Black Bomb here on the that Tom was, Green Show. Yep. I honestly think they I honestly think they have the pieces to do it. Granted, Cleveland has the starting rotation with Kluber and Clevenger and Bauer and Bieber, those guys. But that's all they have. They have Brad Hand at the back of the bullpen and four or five guys that can throw. And they have Leonis Martin playing center field and like Terry Francona's gardener and mailman playing right and left. It's like they don't uh, they don't have anybody. <laughs> they don't have anybody in that lineup. On a Lindor is hurt. Might miss the first couple weeks, and it's a calf injury. For a shortstop who steals bases, a calf injury to start the season, not not a good sign. And we all know what happened to Josh Donaldson last season. That's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they brought Carlos Santana back. He's pretty solid at first base. They have the kid Jake, Jake Bowers, who I'm looking forward to seeing too. I love big him. dude, a lot of power. Yeah, I think he's I think he's going to be good. And of course, they have Jose Ramirez, who's you know great. But other than that, like I said, I mean. Leonis Martin playing center field. Who are they going to put in right and left? I mean, they're looking at Tyler Naquin and Bradley Zimmer. Really? Uh, you know, that's, even that's crazy. That Leos Martin story last year where he almost died. Yes, that was, yeah, that, that was scary. That was scary. It's a shame, too, because he was having a good year. And I always yeah. liked Leonis Martin. I always thought he was a pretty solid player, whether he was with Detroit yeah. or when he started out with Texas. He always had a decent power-speed combo, good center fielder. I, you know, I, I always thought he was good. It was a shame what happened to him last year. So Sad. even though I don't like the Indians, I'm kind of hoping he has a decent year because I like him. But like I said, the Twins, if if their starters can can do it, if Barrios can take another step forward, you got Odorisi, Kyle Gibson, Michael Pineda coming back this year, or for Tommy John. Um, and they can find a fifth starter, whether it's Gonsalves or Romero or Mejia. I mean, I think I think the Twins have the lineup. I think they have a better lineup than Cleveland outside of Jose Ramirez. I think the lineup is better top to bottom. And I think that Marwin Gonzalez trade is signing. Yes. I mean, obviously, unfortunately, there's nowhere for him to play right now, really. It's like slotted in for everyday at-bats. But you can't underestimate that guy. I mean, that guy really went off in 2017 with an opportunity. And, you know, they'll find ways to get his bat in the lineup. I mean, this I agree with you, dude. This this Twins team is pretty impressive. They made a lot of great off-season signings. And they're definitely going to turn a lot of heads. Yeah, so that's my bold prediction. <laughs> sure, and I'm certain that my friend, my Minnesota friends, Audra, Jenny Taft, Jamie Hirsch, and all of them will be proud of your prediction. As far <laughs> as my predictions, we're actually going to wait on that until closer to opening day as we'll have another MLB show predicting, you know, preseason predictions. So, uh, thanks again, Johnny and Matt, for coming on the show. This is Johnny's third or second, no, third recruit to our Tom Green podcast. We had Bruce Cable, Brian Brammer, and now Matt Bishop. So thanks again, guys. Great show. And this has been the Tom Green Podcast.